Hello there, this is Michael Sullivan, doing the second installment of the Viking Valhalla podcast, talking to Amy Walker today, a student at, uh, at Fusebox Samba One, and she is one of the co-owners of the gym. Um, I consider her, for her time in, in grappling, to be a relatively high-level grappler <clears throat> due to her dedication in the combat sports themselves. So, sorry guys, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm struggling because I, I just sucked in a huge wad of hair grappling. And you're going to hear a significant change in my voice. So, last week we touched on what the podcast was going to be about. One of those topics is going to be combat grappling. And right now, we're going to work through a couple of, uh, of the commonalities of kind of a singularity in the paradigm of grapplers. Uh, I come from a wrestling background, and I don't hear the same type of resistance that I do in jiu-jitsu, for example, uh, and judo and things like that. Uh, as far as cross-training styles, um, I don't hear that in wrestling. Uh, for, for years, I've heard, why train sambo when you can just train jiu-jitsu? And I don't hear in the wrestling program why train freestyle and Greco-Roman when you can just train collegiate. So a good wrestler takes a multifaceted approach to their training and trains uh, freestyle, Greco, and collegiate wrestling to gain the advantages of the game rules and style of each one of those styles. So if you have anything to say, Amy, you need to just chime in. No, oh, okay. Yeah, you just say words. <laughs> I had something, and now that you said that, I don't have anything. Okay, to that's say. It. that was it. All right. Just keep talking. So we've heard in the past, if you want to be more diversified in your jujitsu or in your jujitsu game, that's that's not the way it came out. If you want to be more diversified in your grappling game, stop training other things and only train one thing, and it's. It's a polarity opposite of diversification to me, because if we said that about people, we'd have a Nazi. Yeah, I, I think it's funny because all of the styles kind of have something they say about each other. So Sambo says if it was easy, it'd be jujitsu, and jujitsu is if um, Sambo is just jujitsu with bad technique, and we hear from the judokas that Sambo is just judo that's rough around the edges. And um, But I, I feel like in all of the styles, so I've worked with wrestling coaches, Sambo, judo, jujitsu, and... Um, there's something good to be taken from all of them to be applied. Not, I think, to focus yourself entirely on only one negates the usefulness of the other ones. And it really all just boils down to a rule set for competition. The, the ultimate goal in all of them is control and or submission positional um, superiority. Right, game facets. So we, you and I had talked about um, in Colombia when I sat down and I'm watching the Sambo matches, uh, I thought, this is stupid. And what was stupid about it was the unrealistic approach that Sambo has to combat. And then I felt bad and I started thinking, <clears throat> well, I shouldn't feel bad because I feel the same way about jujitsu. When I go to the tournaments, like, this is stupid because it's an unrealistic approach to human combat. It's a single-faceted conceptual idea. 
And then I watch judo. And I think this is stupid. And I go, well, well, that's crazy because I love these sports. And I hate calling them sports, <clears throat> martial arts. But I said, the one that I don't find stupid is wrestling. Like, that's weird. Why is that not stupid? Because it also has really um, one single faceted control of combat sports, and, and that is control. And the difference between those to me was wrestling is children. But if you took people my age and threw me in a, in a singlet and put me out on a stage, I, w- I would think it was stupid again. So the way I see the martial arts is singular facts, facets focuses on independent agreed points of martial arts in total because it is not at all a complete martial art, any of these things, the way that they're used in their tournament form. Yeah, I, I guess one thing that I have to say between all of them that they do all have in common is that um, having competed in sambo and jiu-jitsu and then my kids in wrestling and watching that, all of them have come down to um, there's certainly a lot of room for error on the part of the ref if you leave it to the ref. So all of them require you to be um, quick about moving to where you need to be to either submit or to pin and not leave that decision up to the ref. Otherwise, it does sometimes come with questionable results. Yeah, I think we noticed that in the Pan American Games with the notable favoritism of the countries that lie below Mexico. Mexico and I think America and Canada are on the same boat where they're looking for reasons to knock us out of the rank. And you in particular, in your last match in Colombia, took a real hard throw that did land you on your back, and it was a four-point throw. It was legitimate. You worked out of that pin, which was really hard. So if you guys don't know, it's really hard to work out of a pin, but it's really hard to work out of a pin with a jacket on. And there's a lot more friction and a lot more to hold on to. She worked her way out of that, got to an upward position. The girl threw again. Amy cartwheeled over, landed on her knees, which is a zero-point landing. The ref called a four-point landing what would be essentially landing on her back, but it didn't happen. She didn't land anywhere but her knees and would not listen to our protests at all. The American was wiped out of the competition, and that was it. Nobody can hear you nodding. Yes, yes, that is. <clears throat> That's right. That is actually what happened. Nodding her head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, ultimately, I guess I just like all of. I don't know. I like all of it, like judo, sambo, jujitsu, wrestling. I just I like it. I like to grapple. I like to. I like the the challenge, the testing of it, and. Uh, it's a physical challenge. It's also mental to stay calm. Um, it's hard to stay calm when you have a 200-pound man crushing your face. Um, but it's a it's a good mental stretch for that. So it's some something between all of them. I guess I don't see. I struggle with the idea of them being against each other. I don't understand why we can't see them as useful to cross-train, to all make them good. So... Our next podcast is going to be a little bit more complete and it's going to be a full podcast. This is going to be kind of a mini uh, installment. And I want to keep these first podcasts small so people feel like they have time to sit down and actually listen to them. I, um, I'm going to focus 
the next podcast, at least portion of the, uh, the podcast on the word versus. Jiu-jitsu versus, sambu versus. Why are we using the word versus? Why doesn't the wrestling community use collegiate style versus freestyle? Um, how does wrestling with vastly different rules fall under one single religion in the martial arts takes these very similar um, styles with, with slightly different rules, but the same concept, concept like wrestling is wrestling. They uh, take these similar concept styles <clears throat> and then compare them against each other and then join a hardcore, uh, most people I think join a hardcore camp in a, in a religion to one side or the other. Well, I think I wonder if it's just that they're, um, this comparison that happens between them is they're comparing uh, theirs, the other one, against what they, their rule set that they know in their head. So I could be watching wrestlers and be like, well, you know, they're going to get choked a lot because they don't know what to do with their head. Um, they come in with that neck out. And yeah, but teach them a little bit of how to handle it. So we're judging them from our own paradigm of whatever sport we have subscribed to, rather than looking at it in that own sport that they're engaged in, what what is going on there, what's good about it, what are they doing, what are, wrestlers are really good at controlling, tying people up, getting them where they want, holding them down, and they're really good at that, they're good at sudden explosive movement, um, whereas, you know, jujitsu people are maybe a little bit more smooth about it, and they're they can flow through to something and you maybe sometimes wonder how they got there and they don't freak out about being stuck on their back they can work from there too so there's a benefit of that zombies are willing to start from their feet and throw i mean they're a little faster they're not super technical about the the submissions that they set up but they're fast to throw them they're looking for something to end it quickly uh, i just think that there's the elements of all of them and judo i've only played with a little bit i haven't done a lot with it they certainly focus on the minor details of everything to make it work well i, I just there's something from all of them rather than view them from the lens of the own the sport that you particularly participate in view it from the lens of the sport that it actually is and see what is it about it that's of benefit or is useful and what can you take from it right on i, I agree with that um the uh my my life of martial arts has been kind i think probably more by my nature diversified less by my plan but more by my nature yeah. and you know me and you know i'm kind of scattered and and all over the place and um i think that has led to me looking from place to place trying to get that magic feeling and in the martial arts for me in the beginning was a feeling. So this is, this is a topic I'd like to touch on right now. It's called uh, white belt eyes and uh, white belt eyes is something that I heard in a martial arts marketing book. When I first started the gym, <clears throat> fuse box, I, I built this black belt gym based upon my fight career and I put all the stuff in there that would be just ex centrically scary to anybody that hasn't trained before and and it worked it scared off everybody I mean it was it was an amazing thing I, I literally had no students and uh and it was a super successful concept of create a gym black belt only black belt only but but they already have coaches and so right. why do they need me <clears throat> so 
I had to learn the concept of white belt eyes. What does it look like to a beginner walking in? And, you know, I kind of forgot myself uh, what it's like. You, you probably have a more fresh memory. Yes, I still feel like I have them a lot. <laughs> what do you mean? White belt eyes? Yeah. Yeah, I feel very... There's a lot of times I feel very much like a beginner, depending on who I'm around. There's, the waters are deep. Waters are deep. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can get, I can go like with Macho up in Colorado Springs and, um, that guy smashes on me. He's super good at what he does. And he's, he's always sure to make sure that I know that <laughs> whenever I'm up there with him. Um, Carlos Santos was the same way. Um, Fred Zampaccio. So these, these people that I train with, and the reason that I train with them is because of, they make me feel like maybe I have a lot to learn. And the, the problem is, I think after you've been in this for a while, you start reaching a level of burnout because I think part of success is, what, what is the word I'm looking here? Part of success is infatuation, mm -hmm. is obsession. And I once had that, but I started that obsession, like it, it started in like 1973. <laughs> And so here we're at 2018, yeah. and sometimes it gets a little bit difficult when you realize that all the improvement that I've been doing my entire life, and once I figured out what I was trying to learn in the martial I got I got old and had to start over. <laughs> well, I think it, it comes to that issue. Um, so there's, there's the two camps. There's people who rest all the time, and then the opposite side are people who train all the time. And there has to be, I think, a balance, and there was talking with with someone earlier today about that, that um, rest and recovery is actually a useful thing. Like the days off are actually helping as well. But um, for people who are obsessed or desire to compete at a certain level, um, I feel like those rest days or recovery days are, are about as elusive as Bigfoot. They just don't, we don't take them because we're afraid we're gonna miss something or we're gonna lose something. I think probably one of the hardest things I did was um, actually take a break from competing for a while to try to let a shoulder heal um, but it turned out to actually work um, so I think that that burnout that you have is every day constantly being here for you um, and then from the the aspect of you don't really train for your own pleasure anymore as a coach you coach always it's always about everybody else around um, I'm always whereas, hurt as a white belt, you come in and all information is new and everything blows your mind and the next new thing that you hear is going to be the thing that you're sure is going to change everything and so you try it to see if, if that's going to be the magic pill that's going right. to make it work and so everything's exciting because it's new and different. Um, so, I don't know, as, as a, those are the white belt eyes, I guess, to it that make it exciting. Yeah, I... Uh... To get my white belt eyes, because I, I, when I go train with people that are better in like some or better in jujitsu, I, I don't feel like I have total white belt eyes. I feel like maybe I'm getting my ass kicked because I'm not training right. Mm -hmm. But I want to do experience something new. Like I don't know what's going on here. Like I don't know what's going on here. So um, those of you that that know me well know that several years ago. I joined an organization called the ACL, Armored Combat League. And the Armored Combat League is a full medieval knight's armor, uh, real weapons. They're blunted, but they're real weapons. And 
you strap on the armor and you get out and you go for it. It's like to the knockout, knockdown, and it's a pretty rough and tumble game. And I'm, I'm going to be super honest with what I expected to see here. I expected to see a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons kind of guys. Um, and there's, there are those people involved, but there was also a lot of retired NFL football players and, and things of that level. So people that were just handed a better card than me genetically. And, um, you know, I didn't even know how to strap on the armor. And these, these pros show up with these suitcases that pop open with these racks and they're, they're putting on their armor in a particular order, in a particular way, and it's like a $6,000 kit that they're putting on. <laughs> and I'm putting on like shit that I had borrowed from people. <laughs> and I can feel, I'm like, I can touch my skin here, right? So I can, Hammered the bucket yeah, into it. Yeah, you know. I can feel around <laughs> the armor here and I don't, I don't know what this is going to be like. And uh, somebody... Uh, this guy named Ryan built me a helmet that weighs like 25 pounds because he wanted me to kind of juggernaut into the middle of this because I was accustomed to violence. And uh, in hindsight, I was super glad that I had this <laughs> massive dome of a bullet-shaped helmet on. Um, anyways, I'm putting on their armor, and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. And these guys walk by, and the first thing I thought was, Fuck, I might die. These, I can see why everybody back in the old days were submissive to these guys. They're kind of scary when we're about to go fight about it. <laughs> and they, they made it back, and I heard this, uh, somebody scream, go, and then it sounded like somebody shot somebody. This big bullet sound went off, and, and I was like, is that the, is that the hits? You know, and I, just, I sounded like, uh, I sounded like uh, uh, you know, a real scared child looking around the corner, and, and it was, it was the helmet hits. They sounded like a 38 going off in the building. And I started questioning whether or not I should do this. <laughs> it, it, sound, it seemed dumb. Right. Right? Because I'm like, I'm going to travel all the way to California and just get like jacked up with an axe. I've never been hit with an axe. And then I'm going to go back to Colorado and not be able to work. <laughs> yeah. So um, shorten up the story, ended up getting out there and fighting and, uh, took on quite a few matches and did real well. One fighter of the day, um, got a lot of the respect from the American team members and then, um, took on a couple of fights, um, after that. And it, it was a good time. I enjoyed it, but it really showed me again what it was like to walk into a combat situation, unfamiliar because I'm telling you, I went out with every mixed martial arts move, wrestling move, judo, sambo, jujitsu, and none of it freaking <laughs> mattered. We're starting completely over. Yeah. The only thing that really kind of worked was some collegiate wrestling movements that involved knee bumps and remaining upright. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, if maybe that wouldn't help with, um, from a couple sides of it, if you would cross train in something that maybe you're not as comfortable in to understand or, or to maybe uh, give you that break from the monotony of the same thing so you don't burn out, so you have something new and different, but also to give you the opportunity to see what it's like as a beginner so that when those new people come in, you can maybe have a little bit more understanding to what they're going through. So I know when, when new people come in, we try to be I think most people try to be kind to them and help them and work with them, but I think sometimes um, having not having been a while since you're in that situation that you don't know exactly you don't remember what it's like. like I started playing the piano when I was five so if you ask me how to play the piano I'm like I don't know you just do it just just do it so 
to understand what it's like as a beginner all over again is hard. But then when my kid was learning to play the violin and I tried to play with him, I was like, oh, this really sucks. Like, because it was new and it was different. It was harder. So same thing in here. If we would try something new and experience from that, actually experience what it's like to be a white belt all over again, um, that maybe it would help us be more empathetic to the new people coming in. And maybe there wouldn't be the the dropout rate of people when they hit, so there's that, that jujitsu phenomenon of the blue belt dropout. Like they get there and then all of a sudden it gets hard and then they quit because you're kind of stuck there for a while. You're in that blue belt phase for a long time trying to figure things out and you're getting smashed on by everybody. And when you don't beat the white belts, you're sure that you've, you know, you're bad and like you're just from all sides. But maybe experience something where you're not the best. Maybe do something to work on the psychology, right? Uh, the just understanding yourself yeah yeah uh, you know what on the preference of martial arts i thought this was an area i'm sitting here thinking um so team Wildman here in town thomas denny's team um they competed in they had an mma bout with one of their guys real good guy here in town um against a sambo world champion at one time and of course, I'm going to go for the Sambo guy. And here I am talking about why do people not train Sambo? Why they're always hung up in jiu-jitsu, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't work the ground as much as I should because I get overconfident in my ability to remain standing. So Thomas, Denny, and I ended up having a conversation because um, we were kind of at odds on who won that fight. But it wasn't really, you know what it was? It was, it was my preference. Yeah, it really was. When I when I look at the fight, maybe if I go back and look at it with uh, white belt eyes, mm-hmm. uh, I'll see a different outcome. But I'm always standing on the side of Sambo, the redheaded stepchild yeah. of com- modern combat arts. Yeah. And um, the you know, so Thomas Dean and I kind of talked about that. And I said, hey, man, it's nothing personal. It's literally me always sticking up for Sambo and <laughs> right wrong indifference I'm always, and, I, and I shouldn't do that yeah. I shouldn't do that and but I, I think I do probably cross train more than most people do I'm willing to take information from people like I do get caught in a lot of triangles and uh, keep that a secret don't let that out <laughs> but I have a lot of respect for these be like Thomas Denny's team is it doesn't seem to be like a traditional BJJ feel to it it's really an MMA based uh, style of grappling, and they're good. And so, if you're going to fight their team, you got to be ready. You got to be ready, even if they're not following the total social norms. Uh, I've watched Thomas do some stuff that was kind of like my mind was like blown just on the side of a tournament. I'm like, what? Never fucking thought of that. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of really steps outside of the box, kind of like the Tenth Planet guys. I consider Tenth Planet to be the place that I get choked. <laughs> um, and then I, I do have respect. There's the bigger gyms here in town. We've got like Easton BJJ. Um, they run uh, pretty much everybody trains at Easton. And a lot of the tournaments are essentially at Easton versus Easton and a battle of the Eastons to find out which <laughs> Easton is the best Easton. And which one usually is? Is it the Centennial or are they usually winning? I think, I don't know. I think that's what I, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what I heard at the last tournament. Um, <laughs> it's at every other Easton gym though now. Every, every, yeah, and it's really not trying to do that. Uh, <laughs> just pointing out what I heard at the tournament. Um, but a mall Easton, for example, isn't a spring chicken, but he still competes in, or at least he had recently competed in uh, Masters Worlds. I think he won it. 
and so much respect to that. Um, you yourself, uh, at age forty-one, at age forty-one, competing at uh, at a Pan American level and the Dutch Open level, mm. Dutch Championships, and in the British Championships at this what would be technically a late age in sports, yeah. aging athlete. Um, what, and how long are you training when, when this went down? Um, I've been training right now, um, I think, I think, oh goodness, I think it's like two and a half years, um, maybe three. Okay, um, so you're knocking on the door of three years of training and fundamentally you spend most of your time competing against black belts. Yeah, that's true. In one degree or another. In, in Sambo, yes. In, yeah. yeah, they're usually judo black belts. Right. And, and the national champions, not just black belts, are usually the national champions of their country. Of their country, <laughs> yeah. So the South Americans are no joke when it comes to judo and yeah. Sambo. Zero, <laughs> zero jokes. Um, the, uh, kind of the reason I bring that up is we had to take a really original training approach to this, um, similar to what Thomas Denny, for example, does, um, doing stuff that surprises people. Yeah. And we had to not approach Samba with a traditional judo look up against people that have been doing it for 15 years because I didn't, we, I don't think either one of us believe we're going to win that battle <laughs> of time. So we have to change it up and use something that is selectively unique. We had to approach it with white belt eyes. And if we're going to approach this for a high-level grappling situation, we had to use American collegiate wrestling concepts inside of Sambo to make ourselves survivable against what is considered the absolute norm for Sambo behavior. And we have that, I think we have that same issue with the IBGJF rules. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. This is our religion. This is how we act. Yeah. And it's just, and that's just a sport. I mean, it's like volleyball, right? This is just yeah. what we do. Yeah. And this is what we do. It's not personal. It's just a rule set. I mean, they have to have rules if they're going to have these these tournaments. They all have rules. Like I don't think any of them have a superior rule set over any other one. They all have flaws to them. Uh, just rules. Just rules. All right. So high level grappling. How often do you lift weights? Um, five or six times a week. You know, when I was coming up, people were adamant against lifting weights. I said, it hurts my jujitsu. <laughs> and then somebody figured out that you could do the same exact motion better and stronger. Like, if you could deadlift a done, you can pull an arm bar super hard. Right. I guess I don't lift for that reason. I lift for the reason that I'm, I'm um, well, I'm old, and I get hurt a lot. And I feel like if my muscles are, are built up, um, it protects my joints a little bit better and keeps the injuries from being any worse than they already are. Like my shoulder, it could have been way worse. Um, but I feel like it, it had been strengthened enough that it was protected a little bit from that. So I guess it's kind of, I don't lift for the purpose of lifting or for getting muscle. I lift to just be better at what I already do. And my voice sounds so weird. Does it sound weird? A little hoarse. Yeah, it sounds hoarse. I don't like it. But <laughs> I, I consider lifting to be a prehab too. Yeah. Because, I mean, how many people are constantly injured? Yeah. I mean, I am. I think in the grappling world, I think once you've been around for a couple of years, I think you, there's always, you can always just 
talk to someone and find out something that hurts on them. Everyone has something, a shoulder, an elbow, a knee, an ankle, a back, a neck, like something. And for some of us, it's all of them. What was Riley Bodycomb saying last time he was here? His grappling style continuously changes around his injuries. Oh. <laughs> right, and I don't think that's unique to him. I think that's... No, it is. Yeah, people... People go, man, where where did you figure this move out, Adam? Like, well, my elbows stopped working, and so I had to do, yeah, yeah, I had to do something else. There's certain things I don't do with my left side because my shoulder just won't go up that high. I have to do it only on the right side and modify on the left, and have to, like, I just have to adjust for myself. So everybody heard that mm-hmm. that your left shoulder only goes so high. That's some good information you yeah. put out there. <laughs> <laughs> that it matters. <laughs> yeah, nobody can get it. <laughs> Um, speaking of nobody can get it, uh, you got a competition coming up here soon. Uh, yeah. Uh, next on? Saturday, the 26th, it's a submission challenge tournament here. They travel around the, the U.S. They've had them in a couple other states nearby, and it's here in Denver, and it's submission-only matches, uh, 10 minutes of <laughs> trying to not lose our breath. And, uh, and so I'm competing in the gi and the no gi and the gi absolutes i thought three divisions would be sufficient for the day that's a lot of divisions <laughs> then we got what after that in july um in july i'm headed down to texas um to avenge myself um no uh to there's a women's only grappling event down there uh, whose event is that um it's the w women's brazilian jiu-jitsu federation wbjjf um okay. and it's a charity tournament um and it's it down in Dallas. All right. And so while we're down there, because I am going with you as as a coach, um, where are we? What's what's the gym that we're going to be hosting a seminar at? Sambo, Texas. Sambo, Texas. Okay. And I don't, I can't remember the town that that's in. Do you remember? It is in Arlington. Arlington, Texas. So we're going to do Monday. Your tournament is Saturday. Saturday the. Seventh. The seventh. So we're going to go Monday the eighth, July the eighth. That'd be Monday the ninth. Monday, I'm sorry, the ninth, because we have a Sunday that mm-hmm. sometimes is placed eight. between yes. Saturdays Saturday and, and Mondays. Monday. Right. Um, you know, I just found out that that was the beginning of the week. <laughs> it actually, Not Sunday. It, it, yeah, it just it actually made me dizzy. So <laughs> the uh, we're going to be doing with three Team USA Sambo members a tournament in Arlington, Texas, on the ninth. A tournament or a, or a... Did I say tournament? You just said tournament. Well, I meant seminar. All right. That sounds a little less terrifying. Man, it's been yeah. a long day. Yeah. It is in Arlington. <laughs> you ever have those days where you just try hard to get stuff done and, and then you don't? Oh, yeah. Pretty much every day. Pretty much every day. <laughs> so that, that's a lot of stuff coming up. That's a lot of martial arts. Yeah. And that's this podcast is um, entirely about high-level grappling, what it takes. Because um, you have, and I, and I have, and... I have to be honest that you have inspired me to compete again in these sports. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Very subtle look away there. <laughs> Got to take credit where credit's due. I, uh, so we're, we're both looking at the Abu Dhabi. Yeah, someday. <laughs> but for the tryouts. Yeah. Yeah, just at least the tryouts. I, 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 I'm under no illusion that I'm going to walk out <laughs> against people that are making this their sport life. My goal, for, my goal right now for this year is to get as much mat time as I possibly can in competition to try to get over the um, competition 
jitters or stall or whatever it is that I have that takes me a whole match to warm up and then figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to get over that. I've actually had very few matches or very like actual competitions. Sambo isn't really plentiful here in the U.S. And uh, so that's just my goal for this for right now is just to compete as much as I can, regardless of the outcome, just to get out there and do it. That's good. I think you're doing it now. People like myself did it in third grade. <laughs> yeah. Right. So how many matches did I, I just get stomped on by <laughs> right. like a fifth grader Right. before I developed a confidence and a control over my emotions, which I was surprised about in Columbia that did I look calm? Cause I felt calm. Yeah. You look calm. You looked a little, uh, <laughs> when you were tired, a little less coherent, but you were calm. I looked drunk. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I felt drunk. I felt like I maybe depleted all the sugar in my body. You looked unaware of the world around you. You just had like a blank stare. <laughs> yeah. I tell you the only reason that I even slightly behaved is cause I knew there was international cameras on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so I would just so you guys know when I competed, um, I won the 2017 Pan American heavyweight championships in combat sambo, And, I didn't think that I was going to fight going there, and I intentionally didn't take a mouthpiece. <laughs> I didn't take my cup, and I didn't take any of my equipment. And the Team USA coaches asking me, asking me, asking me, and finally they said, hey, warm up. Just put on the, put on the corka. We're going to take team points for you showing up. Um, you know, we, we wanted it to look good. And I didn't know that this was a setup because they were, they were like, I think Mike knew my ego wasn't going to let this go. <laughs> right. And, and then he's like, just warm up, show him that you're warming up. And then it, this, it, something just kept getting added on. And the next thing he's like, well, what we need you to do is walk out onto the mat in front of these international cameras um, that Fias has up and forfeit. <laughs> right. Right. And I I'd rather die. <laughs> so I'm not forfeiting a match on international camera. So uh, where did I borrow my cup from? Uh, Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Jajut. I don't even, I can't even say I don't, I think it's Jajut. Jajut. I'm, I'm not sure. It's pretty fancy. And pretty maybe fancy he can name. help us He's a fancy lad. He is. He's a cool guy. He's a fancy guy. <laughs> yeah. and, he uh, and I are much closer than I ever thought we would be. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was so weird. Because <laughs> He got off the podium and I'm like, I need the cup for Sully. And so he took it off and he handed it to me and I ran and gave it to you. Yeah, it was it was a crazy day, and uh, <laughs> so I don't know whose jackets I borrowed. Uh, somebody let me borrow their jackets. I think that was just the the Fios, the loner jackets. I think are what you used. Okay, and stepped out and uh, in my mouth guard did my fights and <laughs> you know, great guys, great experience, loved it, and uh, glad I did it. I'm glad I'm glad Mike pushed me to it. I'm glad that you um, encouraged me to go down there because I'm telling you right now. My article that was written on what I said after the tournament about Columbia <laughs> is absolutely not what I said about Columbia. Let me get the record straight. I said, when they said, what did you think about coming to Columbia? I said, I thought for sure I was going to get taken hostage. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guy got this look on his face. And then I, I read the article and it didn't say anything like I did. It was, it was right. a completely you censored it was article. A yeah, well, and you heard the, about their Sambo program being so great. And, right. And yeah. I'm a paranoid person. If you guys know me, I'm a paranoid person, kind <laughs> of. So I'm, I'm thinking don't fall asleep in any taxi cab because they might drive us someplace that we don't want to go. And then I thought, 
well, that might do that anyways. <laughs> and, and so my brain gets going, but no, it turns out our taxi driver actually knew what he was doing. Yeah, and they're nice people down there. Yeah, super great. And my, my eyes are opened up, I, and I love Columbia. I'd love to go back. And, and, and if you bring them Tootsie Rolls and saltwater taffy, they think you're rich. They think, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so really cool people. I, I love watching people pull pickup trucks with donkeys, and it was, <laughs> it was a pretty crazy thing. Um, everything that they had going on down there but high level grappling so we had an opportunity to go to Holland get the same thing get some cultural stuff we meet guys like um, what, what is the name of the gym that we're at? Um, Tabonin Tabonin that is a Tabonin Tabonin I don't know how they say it it's an interesting name I think she's from Israel right? no She did I just make a sin? she's I think I don't she's Palestinian? She, no I think she's Lebanese or, Lebanese or something? Remember, for sure wow if she listens in she'll no, straighten it out Iranian she's Iranian okay she remembers me as Iranian she's food. Persian that's right yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. Awesome to get invited over to that house and then made us some pretty great food. Mm-hmm. I like it. I yeah. like her. Yeah. So ever go back to Holland, definitely stop by that place. If you're definitely, if you're ever in Holland, definitely stop by that place. England on the other end was a different thing. We got kicked out of every gym we tried to go into. Well, we tried to pay them and they wouldn't let us come in. No, they train. wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, we can't help you. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I, I don't really care to go back to England, at least not London. No, we fought them for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> we leave them behind. London is not pleasant, but, uh, I mean, not for an introvert. It's a nightmare if you're an introvert. But I don't know where we went next, but their buffet was amazing. Birmingham? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good buffet. I, and the people in line were crazy nice. Yeah, yeah except like, they were out of all the desserts that I wanted, and I finally could eat and couldn't have them. Yeah, fat people. <laughs> so, high-level grappling. Um that's kind of what this podcast is about and we're going to get in a little more detail with that maybe do some short write-ups on uh, what this looks like and cross training and taking other styles seriously on the advantages that they offer and uh, what that looks like in international competition and what that looks like training at in this gym and i would love to hear from other gyms what that looks like training in their gym um uh i uh I don't like the concept of singular style. All we do is one thing. Uh, I do like the idea of doing maybe two, three different styles of grappling and really complimenting and really taking time at getting good at what those styles have to offer. I think the concept of the day could perhaps just be open mind. That's a hard thing. (laughs) People don't like that. No, but... Because their mind's closed. Yeah, but, I mean, it'd be more enjoyable. We all get along, play together, have fun. <laughs> Just have an open mind. Have an open mind. All right, that's it. So the Viking of Valhalla podcast today, touching on high-level grappling. So we're going to go ahead and sign off on this. I don't know how long we've been going. We winged this one. We didn't have any plan walking into this. <laughs> and once again, the answers to everything on the Viking of Valhalla podcast And we'll talk to you soon. We'll start coming out with more organized, structured times and dates when these things are going to be released. And eventually they're going to start getting put on live Facebook. And then the episodes will be put up onto YouTube so you can watch the guests. We're going to have people on very shortly talking about everything from gun control to psychology and sports performance and uh, why women are better than men. Things of these topics. And uh, so... Amy, do you have any other input on any advice for white belts entering and trying to go high level before we go? Uh, don't quit. Just 
persevere and keep in mind that everybody that's in front of you has something to teach you. That's awesome that you said don't quit because one of the topics of the next episode absolutely is goal setting and quitting and how similar those two things are because people start, stop roughly at the same time. Yeah. And that's the reason you're, uh, you meant to be like, you wanted to be in a rock band when you graduated high school and you work in a cubicle. Right. Right. Because some, somewhere along the line you gave up. Something got hard. Something got difficult. All right, guys, that's it. And so I'm going to work on trying to get uh, to understand this program. We're going to ask people to get on to and to get this app by maybe just, it's a free app. Just put the app on, on your phone and you can start chiming in, calling in and actually putting some input into these conversations. And that would be awesome. This is the second podcast. Obviously we aren't going to have a massive following, but it's easy to run a great deal of time. The first one was 12 minutes. This one's already 40 minutes <laughs> in and that's with two people. So when we get a room full of drunk people <laughs> talking, I think this podcast is going to go on and on. This is going to be pretty cool. Michael Sullivan, Amy Walker with Viking of Valhalla speaking out of the Fusebox gym in Westminster, Colorado. I hope to hear from you guys and feel free to leave comments below on any topic that you have. If you agree, disagree, don't like me, do like me, feel free, lay it there. (laughs) Talk to you guys later. Bye.